Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential. Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with my co-host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are managing directors of the Sibylla Masters Fund. You can learn more about that at masters.vc. This show is for investors and entrepreneurs alike. We're going to rip that opaque lid off conventional venture capital and show you how it works and how sometimes it doesn't work. And there you have it, folks. Hi, Jillian. Hi, Anne. What should we talk about this week? You and I have been talking a lot about boards of directors lately. We covered this topic at a high level in an earlier episode here on VC Confidential. I'm thinking it would be a good idea to dig a bit deeper into the formation and management of boards and their effect on the success of companies. The difference between a functional board and a dysfunctional board can have a great impact and as great an impact as a functional versus dysfunctional family (laughs) can have on a growing individual. Oh, my God. The scary thought there, but uh, I would say absolutely true. Um, The composition of boards of directors, how the board meetings are conducted, what issues the leadership brings to the board to discuss, even the access granted and and utilized by those board members when making those thorny decisions about the options available to the company as, you know, leadership charts that company's future. These are all things investors should be thinking about before they make their investors. I think at the earlier stages of investing, few angels, you know, pre-seed or even seed investors, give a board of directors a second thought. And that might be okay, but it's not okay that the leadership, you know, the real founders, right, that they're not considering the composition of what they're hoping is going to be a board of directors they'll be putting together very, very soon. I mean, after all, if the company is successful, then that leadership team is going to raise that series a pretty quickly it's going to become a c-corp and it's going to be off to the races with a spanking fresh new board of directors to guide the leadership to the finish line yeah a glowing Mm -hmm. road ahead (laughs) and one that rarely very rarely actually really plays out that way but hey jillian before we dive into this meaty subject of how and when to build a functional board Let's share a bit of Q2 2021 news update from the world of conventional venture capital, shall we? Absolutely. We've got got shiny new numbers on in, around, and women and VC capital. PitchBook (laughs) PitchBook just published in their 2021 to-date report indicating that women received, drumroll please, 17% of investments in venture capital. Now, that's amazing. Or is it? I love it when you set me up, Ann. <laughs> All right, listen. Really, we, we still are talking about women not getting enough VC capital. I mean, really? Are we really still talking about that? I mean, okay. The world really has not caught up with the fact that women led, uh, women-led venture-backed companies are more capital efficient, they exit sooner, they return an average of 35% higher ROI to investors, and still, we're not caught up with that subject? Okay, I'll bite. <clears throat> PitchBook's headline for this publication is, 
the USVC Female Founders Dashboard. Okay, you know, that's nice. Uh, it's the summary of that publication that was written to grab attention. That's what headlines and summaries or call-outs are supposed to do. You and I come from the world of marketing, Jillian. We know this <laughs> stuff inside out. We've lived it for almost a half century already. That's right, folks. Jillian and I have earned our stripes, and we know what we're talking about here. Now, while this summary on PitchBook's report is designed to grab attention, it's also technically correct, you know? Uh, 17%, this is good. Yeah, women leaders in startup businesses were part of the deals in 17% of investments in 2021 to date. But that does not translate to the kind of numbers you might expect. In our previous world of digital marketing, we used to call this an interim conversion, a mm -hmm. huge jump in deals in which women were at the senior leadership positions of companies that got VC funding. So far, that sounds good, Jillian. Okay, you get to tell, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. Wow, Paul Harvey. I hadn't thought about Paul Harvey in a long time. So for those of you who are listening and have not heard of this erstwhile radio personality, Paul Harvey was an American broadcaster for ABC Radio. His broadcast show was called News and Comment, but he was most famous for his show segments that were known as the rest of the story. This guy spoke from 1951 to 2008, and his programs reached about 24 million people a week, so he was no small potatoes, right? The Paul Harvey News was carried on 1,200 radio stations and uh, you know, 400 uh, American forces stations, so that's military stuff, and about 300 newspapers. He would tell a tale each time. It would begin with a catchy headline or a summary, just as we have, Anne, right? And then he would delve into details to share the nuance, the shades of gray in a black and white headline. And at the end of the story, we would hear in the sing-song distinctive voice that he had, it was prone to rise more than an octave when he spoke with his signature sign-off phrase. He would say, and now you know the rest of the story. This is Paul Harvey. Good day. <laughs> Something like that. You'd have to listen to it on YouTube. Yep. Yeah. So now that our listeners know who Paul Harvey was, Jillian, what's the rest of our story? What's behind the 17% number around women and venture capital in 2021? Yeah. Yeah, let's get on with it. Women got nearly 17% of investments in 2021, but the rest of the story is this. 17% of the investment pool still equated to 2%, just 2% of invested venture capital. It did not translate to the dollars. What you're saying, Jillian, is that while the number of deals for women-led companies is rising, percentage of capital awarded to women business leaders remains the same. Yes, if, if I had one capital. of those, yeah, if I had one of those, you know, thing, the horns, I'd play it precisely. This is because there are more early stage deals getting a bit of cash here and there, but the later stage deals where the big cash flows from VC funds to companies, they're still being awarded to later stage companies run by all male teams. Yeah, that would make sense. Lots of small companies get funded, so the number of deals rises. But the sum of capital going to those earlier stage companies is paltry by comparison to even one late stage VC investment in a series, oh, say a C or a D. Yeah, 
absolutely. And perhaps, though, the 17% reflects the fact that there are more women funders, not just founders, but funders now in decision-making roles at VC firms. So women-led companies like women-led VC firms are still very small in number. Men control trillions of dollars in private equity capital. Women control a couple of billion at the most. So it would be reasonable to postulate that as women-led PE funds, which include venture capital funds, by the way, grow in number over time, women-controlled AUM, which means assets under management, increase in the sum of capital they can invest would be a boon to women-led companies. Yes. Still, the situation stands as this. As women-led VC firms increase in assets under management, male-led VC firms will also increase in number and assets under management. So perhaps even more concerning over the past decade, give take a few bits here, right? PE investments have seen a real boon to, with trillions of dollars flowing into venture capital worldwide. Report after report nowadays, it touts the glut of capital in private equity and in venture capital right now. So check out those reports. You know, PitchBooks got them, CB Insights, Forbes, lots of publications. Now, as inflation changes that equation, we may not, we may see a, a lot less capital flowing to the private equity markets. You can earn more without the high risk, right? When that happens, the question is, and what should concern people who are listening here is, you know, those especially who are interested in improving equity to access to capital, not just to women, but to all diverse founders, right? The question is, will women and diverse team-led VC firms be the hardest hit? Just as women left the workforce during the pandemic, you know, all those jobs lost, right? Will money also flow to the tried and true male-led VC firms in private equity? Well, let's talk about this epic um, <clears throat> departure of women streaming out of the workplace in 2021 and 2020, Jillian. Women mm -hmm. left the workforce in such huge numbers in 2020 and 2021 that the increase in jobs for men did not make up for it. That's, That's right. right. Men increased their participation in the workforce during the pandemic and women decreased in such large numbers that the increase in male jobs could not even equal, equal the female exodus. Will the age old pattern of women being much harder hit by any downturn replicate itself when money is not flowing so strongly to the PE markets? Will women-led funds close and male-led funds see the benefit of what capital is left in that market? Well, you know, time will tell. Yeah, I think the essence of the numbers being published now is this. There's been no change. Women might get more deals. The actual number of deals and even the percentage of individual deals may have increased. But the percentage of capital allocated to women building startup companies remains at 2%. And now you know the rest of the story. And now we have to take a break for our sponsors. We'll be right back with insights on the value of a really well-functioning board. This is VC Confidential, and we'll be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. 
Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, You'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential. Only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Okay, take a breath. Now that we've had our entirely justified rant on the continuing sorry state of VC investments in women-led companies, let's turn to how a functional board can drive a startup to success or ruin it. Okay. I'm glad to, Anne. (laughs) The topic of boards has been on my mind as we've been working with our portfolio companies and potential portfolio companies lately. You and I have observed and served on functional boards, dysfunctional boards, powerful boards, lackluster boards, right? As an entrepreneur, the kind of board you have is the kind of board you build and the kind of board you guide. Yeah, Jillian, you often say that when an entrepreneur takes venture capital, they agree to two things. The first is that they agree to sell their company or in rare instances, go public, you know, hold an IPO as quickly and as at high evaluation as possible in order to return a solid ROI to their investors. The second thing is germane to our conversation here today. Entrepreneurs who are venture-backed agree to serve at the pleasure of their board, and they can be replaced. I have to say, this is sometimes news to some of the founders we talk to. (laughs) Yeah, this is actually news to almost every founder I talk to about it at the earlier stages. Later on, they get the idea, but they don't get the idea early enough, so we can't say it often enough. I would say that's informative for both investors and entrepreneurs. The board guides the company by guiding the CEO. The CEO guides the board to be of optimal use to the company, right? It's a double-edged sword here, right? If you're an investor, ask about boards of directors. Who's going to serve? Who will serve if you're getting into the deal so early that the board has not yet been formed or is just being formed? Know who will be leading and know who will be guiding it will tell you a lot about the potential trajectory for the company. Right. So Jillian, dig in a little bit about how a CEO can build and shape a board over time so that it serves the company's growth and functions well. Obviously, putting just weak yes folks on the board is not the answer. What should be considered when building a board? Yeah, uh, the, the 
uh, how should I say, temptation to put yes folks on a board is uh, certainly there if you're concerned about being replaced over time. But, you know, we hosted an earlier episode on VC Confidential in which we discussed this composition and operations of the board of directors. You mentioned that before. Um, so I want to take that a, a bit further. Um, maybe we can put a link to this on our uh, LinkedIn page. Yes, of course. Okay. So when an early stage company gets angel funding, there's generally no need to form a board of directors. A board of advisors serves the company well at that time. That's fine. Once the company takes in that Series A funding, the company, in the US at least, generally becomes a C corporation. And if it wasn't before, it changes its status right at that time. So. At that point, says traditional wisdom, it's time to form a board of directors. The lead Series A investor will likely take the investor board seat. That's, in other words, a board director who represents the investors, all of them, not just their own investment. But they tend to be the lead, so they might have put in the largest amount. This is not always the case, but you get the idea. So this is a seat on the board of directors reserved for the investor and the term of the board seat being available to that investor is usually set into the investment documents. In other words, the investor is going to sign one of its own, a partner in the VC firm or something similar, right? Someone similar to sit on your board. And they're not going to leave it until the end of the engagement. Now comes the interesting part. You see that this happen a lot with me, Anne. You know, once that first board is formed, the CEO, perhaps one of the founders or a senior executive in the company, takes board seats. I got two of them. Cool. And the investor has the third board seat. Tidy little new startup. Okay. Now the investor says it's time to add some powerful independent members who can help move the company swiftly forward. All right. That investor has some excellent contacts and two independent board members are added to the board, keeping the total number to the odd number. Now five members. But here's the thing. Those independent board members are not so independent. They are in the pocket, if you will of the investor. The investor opened the door to this opportunity for you and for the independent board member. Chances are this is not the only board this person's going to sit on at the behest and the largesse of this investor. The independent board members are anything but independent. Precisely. Why does this matter? Huh. All goes well until there's a major disagreement between the investor and the senior leadership. And that is almost guaranteed to happen as a company grows. Then the vote of the board could mean the difference between keeping your role as CEO of your own company or being told to step down. Mm -hmm. It happens frequently enough that entrepreneurs should give this serious thought. Well, now that we've provided a word of caution, what do we do about it, right? My first piece of advice to the entrepreneurs is to reconsider the common advice about not forming a board until absolutely necessary, all right? Don't form that board until you absolutely must. Well, consider forming a board shortly before you take on that venture capital, not at the angel stage, venture capital, right? When you have four people on the board and the investment is completed, the VC takes the fifth seat and you will have selected the independents. It's already a done deal by the time they arrive. Enough said on that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but if the entrepreneur selects the independent board members, they don't get the advantage of presumably high powered connections available to the investor 
right, at that Series A. Now we're talking about some big guns. We're not talking again about the little investments. We're talking about you've taken in your first significant number of millions. So the board members the entrepreneur can select and invite may be of significantly lower caliber than they might get if they let the investor make those introductions. Perhaps. And then again, if investment is imminent, the entrepreneur who makes requests of fairly powerful people to join their board can allude to that funding and even say, should we successfully get that funding, we'll ask you to sit on the board. Are you interested? Mm. This, put, this puts really a different light on the request. You can get a high-powered player on the board if you phrase things that way. So what about investors? We're investors. Don't we want to put those additional people on the board of the portfolio company, you know, to identify those independents? In truth, no. While we have a good Rolodex and we're happy to open doors if and when we can, a functional board really is made up of people with varying backgrounds, skill sets, experiences, and connections. Let's talk diversity mm -hmm. <laughs> of points of view. If we, assign, if we assign the independents or even keep rifling our own Rolodexes to fill those seats for our portfolio companies, we're leveraging only our own contacts. And while they are you know, extensive and mighty, it's really best to let the entrepreneurs reach out in their industry or to other entrepreneurs, their colleagues, perhaps even universities, laboratories, manufacturers, whatever is relevant and needed to make the board composition varied and powerful. Varied and powerful. You've hit the nail on the head there, Anne. It feels intuitive as an investor that you'd want to control a board. But in truth, you've made an investment in a team you believe in. Then it's a bit like the adage about hiring. Hire those you trust, then trust them. So investors, I exhort you to trust your portfolio company leadership. Help them fill the board seats, but let them do the research. Talk through the process, suggest sector, skills, experiences, and more, but let the senior leadership identify the people they want to approach. Make introductions, open doors if you can, but don't control the process. Your role here is actually support. And if it isn't, you've likely made a bad investment. A desperate need to control the board seats is a strong sign that you don't trust your leadership team. Okay, so if that's the case, then you have made the wrong investment. Wow. <clears throat> strong and a really good point, Jillian. Now, before we close the show, let's cover maintaining a functional break. Mm -hmm. Well, a functional board. Okay. Look, before we take our next break here, I, I want to talk about, again, the point at which this board is being put together is either at the Series A, just after, or before the Series A. Okay. Now, even if you're talking to your investor, entrepreneurs listening in, even if you're talking to your investor about the Series A, and then they talk about board formation and so on, or they kind of let it go until afterwards, right? Assume that they are going to help you build this board. They can help you do so in a functional way or a dysfunctional way. As you select board members yourself before they get to the board, uh, to, to that board themselves, these investors, right? You can form it 
thereby you have, if you will, more control over it. That's fine, right? But also think carefully about what skill sets you're going to need and start that conversation with your to-be investors pretty early in the game. It will give you an idea of how they're thinking about the board, how you should be thinking about it, how and whether they're going to help you form this board and so on, right? You don't want this thing to simply, I don't know, uh, fall apart once you have the capital in your hands, right? So what I'm saying is think about it as you begin your investment process. And investors, I'm saying think about it as you begin your due diligence. How is the leadership looking at this subject? And who have they put together? I'm so glad you reiterated the timing issue because it really does fly in the face of conventional wisdom. Exactly. We must take another break for our sponsors. You are listening to VC Confidential and we will be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. Jillian and I are so glad you joined us today. We have been talking about boards from the investor's point of view. Now that we've discussed board roles and when the most advantageous timing is to form a board and who should be doing that, hint, it would be the founders and before their first big VC investment. Now let's talk about the care and feeding of a functional board and why that's so important. Take it away, Jillian. (laughs) Okay. So forming the board is obviously just the beginning. Operating a functional board is a marathon, not a sprint. Being well-prepared means getting your board presentation deck to your board members before the meeting every time and at least three days ahead. So the board members have time to review it and to ask questions from you privately before that board meeting. A board meeting is no time for confusion. It is time for discussion, but no time for confusion. Make sure that everyone knows what you mean by whatever you put in that board deck. And I'd add that meeting with each board member by phone before any important vote, generally on issues about corporate or product direction, uh, taking on more capital, I don't know, expanding a new marketplace and other issues of a major impact to the company. And those types of issues need a vote. Get on the phone privately with each board member before the meeting to be sure you have the votes you need. If you don't hear out your board member about why they disagree, Don't blow them off. Either you will convince the board member of your way of thinking, 
or, or you may adjust your own thinking on the subject, or you will abandon the idea and not present it to the vote. But all this work gets done before the board meeting. Yes, I would agree. If you wait to have these discussions at the board uh, meeting itself, then the purpose of the board meeting, if you will, to you know, make a resolution is taken up with perhaps minutes, perhaps hours of that kind of discussion right there at the table. First of all, you have to get over confusion. What did you mean by this or that nuance and so on? Should the resolution be written differently? Um, why are you thinking about going in this direction and so on? Again, you want to have everybody prepared to have made their decision on the concept and then to bring their ideas to table. You're not creating yes men. You're listening thoughtfully to everybody's point of view on this beforehand. And you really can't do that when everybody's sitting together at that table or in the Zoom meeting, right? You have to talk individually first. So finally, as you select people to serve on your board, consider whether they'll work well together. This is not the same thing as saying they're all going to think alike, but it is about civility, a predilection for finding consensus, being reasonably able to change their minds when new or different or compelling information is provided to them. Okay? It's about selecting and then guiding people on your board to keep an eye on the prime goal and make sure that everybody agrees on that prime goal. That's why you select them in advance, by the way. Is your prime goal to sell at the highest valuation possible? Or is your prime goal to achieve financial success while and by serving your team, your employees, vendors, customers extremely well? Sometimes that second path takes a lot longer, but it builds a powerful company that will withstand the test of time long after those early investors take their profits at your IPO. And with that, it's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us every other Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of the shrouded corner of business known as VC. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who graciously hosted our previous CEO coach for more than a decade and host our new VC Confidential show now in its 50th episode. Woot! We are grateful for their long and continued support of our work. You can listen to all our episodes from both shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. Till next time. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.